0: You prefer, we're going to be starting in Ezekiel chapter 28 today. Ezekiel 28. So, our summer series is uh, just an investigation, and we're asking the who, what, when, where, why, how questions of uh, the church and things of the church. It started a few weeks ago with the C to C message, creation to the church. It kind of serves as a, a partial outline to the series, and then we continued by asking the question. Who is Jesus? Now, we answered that by looking at the Gospel of Luke, where we saw four different stories that give us some insight. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus demonstrates his power over demons by setting a man free with just his spoken word. Our Jesus has power to release captives. Later in the chapter, Jesus healed Peter's mother in law of a fever, and it goes on to say that many were healed of various diseases. It tells us that Jesus has power over sickness. In chapter 5, we see that Jesus has power to heal as he forever changed a man uh, with the death sentence of leprosy. And just a few verses later, he healed a paralytic as his four buddies lowered him through the roof into the presence of Jesus, proving Jesus has power over any handicap. And in all of these examples, we are, were reminded what is true of, of everything in the Word of God. And that is that they are more than just... Stories, they really happen. They're more than just stories, they really happen. And what is most significant is that Jesus has power over death, as he demonstrated when he rose from the grave never to die again. Now these are just some of the characteristics that set Jesus apart from everyone else. Power to release captives, his power over sickness, his power to heal, his power over death are true of no one else but jesus christ he is god's one and only son he is the perfect lamb of god that takes away the sins of the world he is our living hope he is god and hopefully you can say with me he is my savior without him i would be completely lost completely broken completely guilty and completely hopeless this is the gospel good news of Jesus and it is my perpetual prayer that i never lose my sense of awe that i never just become familiar with the gospel of Jesus it should be why we do everything here at first baptist so it is important to establish who Jesus is because just like it's true with with most true stories there is good and there is evil So it is important to know the enemy, not that we want to give him any more power than he has. We don't want to elevate him to any place that he doesn't belong, but to know what we're up against so that we can stay guarded because Satan still uses the same schemes that he always has. Remember in in creation to the church, not long after God created everything, we took a little aside story it went something like this. Sometime before God created everything we see, God created angels. The most beautiful and prestigious angel was the worship leader. His name was Lucifer. And Lucifer began to have thoughts like this. I think I'm better than God. I think I could do his job better than he does. And Lucifer went to the angels and said, I think I'm better than God, I think I could do his job better than him. And about a third of the angels said, you know what, I think you're right. I think you're better than God. And they followed him. But two-thirds of the angels said, no, there's no way. There's nobody better than God. And so God, knowing what Lucifer and the angels that agreed to him were up to, he cast them out of heaven. He called him Satan and created a place called hell for them. And hell is described as a place of eternal torment, eternal fire, Eternally separated from God. There is no place more hopeless. Satan came down to Eve in the garden. He came disguised as a serpent. And he did what he still does in our lives today. He questioned God. Just like he likes to get us to do. He loves to raise the question. God didn't really say this, did he? God doesn't really mean This, does he? He loves for us to even question if God exists because he hates God and he hates people and he especially hates it when people worship God because that was once his job. Satan questioned Eve. God didn't really say you'll die if you eat this. Will you? Did he? Well, Satan didn't make her do it. He chose to give in. Adam was just as guilty because he took what Eve gave him, and that's when sin entered the world. The first blank on your outline. Satan introduced sin into the world. Satan introduced sin into the world. Now, there are two passages that most scholars agree speak of the fall of Satan. Now, when we read them, they're both describing earthly kings but as you'll see as we read it, they're describing more than earthly kings. The first one is in Ezekiel 28, verse 12. It says this. You were the seal of perfection, full of beauty, excuse me, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. Skip down to verse 14. You were the anointed cherub who covers I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God. And I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom, and for the sake of your splendor, I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings that they might gaze at you. Again, no earthly king could ever be described as perfect or as a covering cherub. That's a description used only to describe the angels Michael and Gabriel in other places in the Word. Both highest ranking angels. No earthly king was in Eden. Uh, When it speaks of walking back and forth among the fiery stones, right there in verse 13, it's probably talking about those stones that are listed that we didn't read in verse 13. Of which six are used to describe the walls of heaven in Revelation 21. No earthly king ever walked among the precious stones of heaven. This is describing Satan. Over to Isaiah 14. Isaiah 14. Again, it's describing an earthly king, but there's way more to it. Verse 12 says this, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. You shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. Those who see you will gaze at you and consider you, saying, Is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms, who made the world as a wilderness and destroyed its cities, who did not open the house of his prisoners? The the fear instilled by every evil earthly king is fueled by Satan. Satan uses earthly kings to shake kingdoms. Satan uses earthly kings to destroy and take captive. So this too is describing Satan here in Isaiah. Text blank on your outline. Pride is the foundation for everything that Satan does. Pride is the foundation for everything Satan does. Look at verses 13 and 14. He said, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit in the mount of the congregation. I will ascend. I will be like the Most High. I, 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 me, me, me. Everything Satan does is built upon the foundation of pride. Think about in the garden. he, The, the pride that was already within Eve. The pride that said, um, I'm better than God. There, there may not be a more pride-filled statement. I am better than God. I mean, if we follow that statement out to its end, we have to conclude that Eve could only know better than God if she was above God. I can apply it to my. I can only know better than God if I am above God, and I certainly am not above God. Satan believed he was. He led Eve to believe that she was above God, and he still tries to sell us the same lies. Everything he does is rooted in pride. If you're like me, ever since I was a little kid, you remember hearing that a third of the angels joined Satan and became demons. Where do we get that from? The passage that that best supports this belief is in Revelation 12. Now, we looked at this passage a a few few months ago, probably now. You might remember the title, uh, The Woman, the Child, and the Dragon. We identify the woman as Israel, the child as Jesus, and the dragon— As Satan. Verses 3 and 4 say say this. Another sign appeared in heaven. Behold a great fiery red dragon. Who's the dragon? Satan, yeah. Having seven heads, ten horns, and seven diadems on his heads. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them down to the earth. Verse 9 says this. So the great dragon was cast out. The serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Now most scholars associate the third of the stars, which we also know as heavenly hosts, which are another name for angels. And so most associate those thrown to earth in verse 4 with the angels cast to earth in verse 9. The same word is used to describe Satan, the stars, and demons being cast or thrown to earth. And so that's where we get the belief that a third of the angels join Satan's rebellion. Everything that they do is built on the foundation of, of pride. The next blank on your outline, the enemy is crafty. The enemy is crafty. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, Paul wrote this to the Corinthian church regarding being duped. By false teaching. 2 Corinthians 11.3 I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his what? Craftiness. So your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. He is crafty and he deceives. The next blank on your outline. They, they kind of go hand in hand. To deceive is to trick. To deceive is to purposefully or secretively get somebody to believe a lie, to sell a bill of goods, to deceive is to swindle. In, in uh, Revelation twelve nine that we just read, Satan deceived the whole world. There is always a purpose behind Satan's deceit, which we're going to see here in just a moment. Everything he does is rooted in pride. He is crafty. He deceives. Next blank, he comes disguised comes disguised. But when, when somebody puts on a disguise, it's because they want to be something that they're not. Now, sometimes it's in good fun, but with Satan, it is never in good fun, because he always has something to hide. He came disguised as a serpent in Genesis. In 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. 14, it says this, Satan himself transforms in himself into an angel of light. The word transformed means disguises. And so he, he comes disguised as an angel of light because he wants to hide who he is and the purpose behind everything that he does. He wants to hide the purpose of his deceit. And so what is, it, what is he up to? Well, the next blanks on your outline, he's a liar. Actually, uh, all lies are birthed from him. Not only is he a liar, he's also a murderer. John eight forty four. Jesus said this to unbelieving Pharisees, "You are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father, <laughs> you want to do." He was a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar and the father of it. So Satan is a liar. What do liars do? Okay. It's not a trick question. What do liars do? They lie. Yeah. He's a murderer. What do murderers do? They kill. That's right. He's also a thief, the next blank on your outline. What do thieves do? They steal. Yeah, they steal. John 10, 10, The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly, Jesus said. Church Satan has no other purpose but to st- steal, kill, and destroy your life. And he will do whatever it takes to get you to believe the lies that he's trying to sell you and pursue a life against God's will. So we are beginning to develop an answer to that question. Who is Satan? The pride-filled father of lies, former worship leader of heaven, who craftily disguises himself so as to deceive and hide who he is and what he's up to, which is always taking what doesn't belong to him, sucking the life out of everyone that he can, and destroying the lives one after another. All Satan does is take, 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 in contrast to Jesus, who gives life abundantly. Jesus are complete opposites. There are no further ends of the spectrum question becomes why why does satan want to destroy us well we already mentioned one he hates god and he hates people he especially hates it when people worship god because that was once his job another reason I, i believe is found in genesis 1 verse 27 says this so god created man in his own image in the image of god he created him male and female he created them Satan wants to destroy us because we are God's image bearers. You can write that down. He wants to destroy us because we are God's image bearers. And he will do whatever he can to destroy the image of God. by tempted Eve to distort and break the image of God. Because the truth is, the next blank on your outline... You and I are broken images. When Adam and Eve sinned, they they, they brought sin to all who would follow, including you and I. We are broken images, which is why Jesus stepped in. He was never an afterthought. He was not the result of God scrambling to try to fix His broken image bearers. If you've been around long enough, you know. The one scarlet thread from one cover to the next in God's word is the gospel of Jesus. Colossians 1.16 says this of Jesus. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Jesus wasn't an afterthought. He was there in the beginning. We are broken images. Look at verse 15 in Colossians 1. Of Jesus, He is the image of the invisible God. Firstborn over all creation. You and I are broken images. Jesus is not. Most of us uh, probably looked in, in a mirror this morning when we got ready to come to church. mirror is designed to reflect whoever looks into it. Just as we were designed to, to be God's image bearers and reflect Him. But because of sin, that has been broken. So imagine that somebody went into your bathroom and just took a baseball bat to your mirror. Completely shattered it. You try as much as you want to try to put those pieces back together, but it'll never be the same. It'll always be broken. You've got to get a new mirror. And that's what Jesus does for us. He doesn't just take the pieces and, and fix us. He makes us brand new. We are a new image of God because of Jesus Christ. I hope that that I never lose the sense of awe that when God looks at my wretched and sinful heart, He doesn't see that broken image. He's a reflection of His Son. Church, that is incredible. That is the gospel of Jesus. We know and we love Romans 8 28. Well, we should, but listen to it in context, this idea of of being an image of God. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purposes. Listen to verse 29. For whom God foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Don't get caught up in the wording of verse 29. He is called, whosoever will, I believe, to be conformed to the image of his Son. To make us whole and right once again. So that you and I can be image bearers of God. He doesn't just fix the old. He makes us completely brand new. That's why Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy. That's why Satan wants to distract everyone that he can from accepting Jesus as Savior because he hates that through Christ we become restored, redeemed image bearers of God. Colossians 1.19 It pleased the Father that in Jesus all the fullness of God should dwell and by Him, by Jesus, to reconcile all things to Himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross, and you, he's talking to you and me, who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. No longer shattered. Made completely new. We are broken images. But Jesus is not. A couple more things and we're done. Most of us have probably heard John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Who is the Word? Jesus. It is Jesus. It is God. It is It is Jesus. Jesus is God. Now remember, Satan hates Jesus. That's why one of his tactics today is still to attack the Word of God. Satan will always attack the Word of God. He's done a pretty good job of it, hasn't he? I mean, the Lord has laid out in His Word the principles that we need to live life abundantly. So many have rejected it because Satan has attacked the Word of God. They've bought into his lies. We are all more than capable of buying into Satan's lies, and we see the effects of it every day. It's all the more reason you and me, to fill and establish our lives upon the Word of God. Know what it says to hide His Word in our hearts, to let it light our paths, to let its power pierce our souls and discern the thoughts and intents of our hearts. Satan's very first line in Genesis shows us, always attack the Word of God. God didn't really say that. Did he? All the more reason for you and I to know the word. we can say, well actually, yeah he did and it's the truth. It who is Satan He is the pride-filled father of lies, former worship leader of heaven who craftily disguises himself so as to deceive, and hide who he is and what he's up to, which is always taking what doesn't belong to him, sucking the life out of everyone he can, destroying the lives of those who are called to be God's image bearers one after another, so as to distract as many as he can from hearing the word of God and accepting the gospel. Church, why in the world ever want to give him? Any space in our lives? Why in the world would we ever want to give him just a just an open just a crack in the door? Why would we ever want to open that? Here's the bottom line. Satan is a formidable foe. You and I don't have to live in. We do not have to live in fear because God's word gives us the end of the story. As powerful and formidable as he is, he cannot go past the boundaries our God sets for him. Satan is not in control. Our God is. And one day, Satan will be completely disposed of forever. And all who have trusted in Jesus will worship him for all eternity. Revelation 20.10 The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Revelation 21.4 God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the former things have passed away. Why don't we look forward to that day? Go into a time of invitation. Would you just bow bow your heads and close your eyes and allow God to look at your heart today? The message brings up some pretty valid questions. First one, what lies... Has Satan led you to believe? Think through your life. What lies has Satan led you to believe? Like we're saying today God's not good. Never going to let you down. Yeah, right. Have you been buying into that lie? In what area have you allowed Satan to to come into your life? You've you've opened the door. Even though we know this all is true, what we've seen here in, in the Word of God today. What pride bait have you taken? What has Satan stolen from you? The Lord wants to redeem. He doesn't want to just put the pieces back together to make you new. How has Satan attacked the Word of God in your life? Oh, church, if we could just answer these honestly, life be so much better? voice been the loudest in your life, hear the voice of, of condemnation, and Satan tries to get you to believe that it is God's, he doesn't love you, he couldn't love you, how could you, how could you be like you are, how could you do what you've done, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, no condemnation. God's is not a voice of condemnation. Satan's is. Gotten that truth? Oh Lord, we invite you to come. Lord, we ask. Help us to see Satan's lies for what they really are. You'd help us to establish our lives. Word of God as we continue to pray don't we all know somebody who is living buying into the lies that Satan has has sent you just lift them up by name specifically right now and don't we need to pray this over our kids, no matter how old they are, no matter where they are, that that God would put a hedge of protection upon us and them, that he would give us spiritual ears to, to hear the truth. Who do you know? Satan is blinded to the truth. Lift him up by name. We, we thank you that you know each and every name that every person is lifted up. Lord, we acknowledge that many times the battle for these precious souls is one that will have to be fought our entire lives, Lord. Give us the strength to continue to believe and to continue to trust. Lord, if there are any here, through your word, realize that they have bought into the lies of Satan. Lord, I pray that today they would put a stake in the ground, a mark in the, in the road map of their lives, and say, from here on out, I'm not listening to the lies of Satan anymore. I'm going to fill my life with the word of God, and I am no longer going to live the life that Satan wants me to live. But I'm going to trust you. Thank you, Lord, that when we do, we turn, we see a loving Father with arms open wide, It does not condemn, but lovingly offers abundant life. Live in that abundant life, Lord. Love you, and you in the awesome name of Jesus.